The following is a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we've made a step forward regarding pay equity and pay transparency in our province. This week, the provincial government unveiled details of its long-awaited pay equity legislation. Women and Gender Equality Minister Pam Parsons was joined by Finance Minister Siobhan Cody and Labour Minister Bernard Davis for the announcement. She joins me now to discuss the legislation. Minister Parsons, welcome, and of course, thank you for taking the time into your busy schedule to join us here today. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. You know, it certainly is a big announcement when it comes to addressing the gender wage gap here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So what can you tell us about the legislation and what it means for workers in our province? And and when will it take effect? Well, it certainly is a step, and it's actually historic legislation, because as you are aware, Nancy, um, there's never been any, any pay equity legislation ever introduced in the House Assembly here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So I, I am very proud to be the minister to introduce this, along with my colleagues, the Minister of Finance and the Minister for Labor. Um, so this legislation is meaningful to all workers in the province, and it will be particularly impactful to women and gender-diverse people and populations who have historically faced systemic biases. Uh, The Pay Equity and Pay Transparency Act will reduce and prevent unfair payment practices by requiring public sector employees to value jobs and their workplaces based on the four criteria. And Nancy, these criteria are skill, effort, responsibility, and working conditions. The legislation is another tool, and again, it's just another tool that government can use to help close the gender wage gap. And it will help to counteract the way that work has been generated has been gendered and potentially undervalued. It's a positive step for the province as we work toward gender equality and equity for all people. There are additional pay transparency provisions to empower job seekers and workers alike, as well as reporting and accountability mechanisms for both pay equity and pay transparency. And pay equity provisions, Nancy, in the legislation apply to the public sector at this time. Provisions for core government will come into effect April 1, 2023. Provisions for the rest of the public sector and agencies, boards, and commissions, such as Memorial University and NL Hydro, will come into effect at a later date to be determined by the Lieutenant Governor in Council. There will be consultations with key stakeholders, of course, to inform the implementation date, as well as other components of the legislation such as elements of reporting requirement. And Minister Parsons, it is important to to point out, I think, that this new bill will mandate pay equity, but as you said, only for the public sector right now and only for the public sector employers with 10 or more employees. So it will not apply to those with fewer than 10 employees, as well as students, contractual employees, the judiciary, MHAs, or people conducting investigations on behalf of the House of Assembly. So can you talk a little bit about uh, the decision to move forward with the public sector only right now? Yeah, pay equity legislation, legislation applies to the public sector right now. However, we will be undertaking a robust consultation process that will inform our path forward for pay equity within the private sector. Um, and, and as we can appreciate, um, stakeholders and, and communities, all community stakeholders, they want to be consulted. They want to put their put their mark on this, as you know, it, it certainly involves a lot of their a lot of their members. Um, so it's important that we do the proper consultation. Um, that's been made clear to every stakeholder group that we have talked to, myself as, as well as my colleagues. Um, the pay transparency provisions apply to both public and private sector. 
uh, for pay transparency. And as the largest group of employees in the province, there is inherent value in implementing pay equity legislation first within the public sector. 85% of provincial government, of the provincial government has a job evaluation system that addresses the four standard criteria recognized in all pay equity legislation. And, and the, again, those are skill, effort, responsibility, and working conditions. We're also working to update the Hay system, which applies to prim primarily management levels and, ex and executive positions to incorporate the working conditions criteria into the system. And so this will be implemented by April 1, as you mentioned, 2023. Um, we will work with the public sector employee, employers to determine regulations for reporting on pay equity, and we'll also consult with private sector employers to determine next steps for future implementation of pay equity within the private sector. Uh, this is a first step to implementing pay equity legislation in the province. However, we are very committed to determining how to potentially move forward with pay equity within the private sector. That's great, and I'm sure you know welcoming to people who are li who are working in that sector, right? To know that that is a work in progress and is, is on the radar of government. And so we talked about public sector employ employers, um, those with 10 or more employees is who's being impacted by this right now and, and will be required to implement the compensation practices. As you mentioned, on four set criteria. So again, it's skill, effort, responsibility, and working conditions. So why or, or maybe how were these criteria deemed to be the determining factors? And, and what about each will employers have to take into consideration? Well, these are the four factors that all Canadian jurisdictions with pay equity legislation use to determine job valuation and pay equity compliance. Uh, so by using these four criteria to value jobs, employers are ensuring that no other personal factors are, imp are impacted, impacting a job class and a compensation level. Um, employers will have to look within their own workplace and the job within it and determine a job's value in the workplace based on those four factors. Um, how one workplace values a job, for example, an office administrator may be different, however, than, a work, than another workplace values the same job. Um, however, the important part is that each workplace is able to objectively determine the relative value of each job in their workplace. And so you mentioned the legislation also mandates the designation of a commissioner under the Public Service Commission Act to act as the pay equity officer. So can you speak a little more about the responsibility and expectations of this role and really how including this person should be appointed? Absolutely. Um, pay equity requirements for the public sector will be monitored by a pay equity officer who will be appointed under the Public Service Commission Act. Uh, the Public Service Commission Act has a, has a stringent process that they follow for merit-based appointments and promotions. So I will not speak about the pay equity, equity officer duties will be assigned um, as that process sits with the Public Service Commission in order for it to remain at arm's length from government. Um, the pay equity officer will be responsible for receiving pay equity reports and preparing a report regarding employers' compliance with pay equity and pay transparency. This report shall be submitted to the, to the Speaker of the House of Assembly who shall table the report in the House. So that will be tabled on the floor of the House of Assembly for all members, uh, of course, to, to ultimately debate. Essentially, the role of the pay equity officer is to receive reports and then provide a report to the Speaker of the House outlining an employer's compliance. And if the, if the employer is deemed in, in compliant, then there will be a repercussion for that employer including possibility of fines to be laid by courts. Um, a person who willfully contravenes the legislation or regulations could be fined 
not more than $1,000 for an individual or up to $25,000 for an organization or a public body. And so during the announcement, it was also announced that consultations on implementing the compensation practices with public sector employers will occur in the coming months. So before the legislation is going to take effect next April. So can you talk a little bit about what those consultations are, like what public employers, I guess, can expect from the consultations and as well, what will be required from these employers as part of those uh, participating in those consultations? We recognize that there are many stakeholders here in the province, uh, within the public and the private sector, who will be able to share valuable input during the consultation, and we'll look forward to collaboratively working with them through that process. Um, We understand, Nancy, that there's a need to begin the consultation process in a timely manner, and I will say that this is a priority of the Premier. He's, He's very passionate about this topic as well, as well as our Cabinet and our caucus. Details on a fulsome consultation process will be released in the coming week, uh, which, and that will outline how stakeholders will be engaged. Uh, we've heard from stakeholders such as the Board of Trade, the Employers' Council, the Newfoundland Labrador Federation of Labor, uh, the Provincial Advisory Committee for the Status of Women, who want to engage in the consultation and who are eager and ongoing. And I will say, too, we have received some reports for the, from the St. John Status of Women Council, as well as the Pro- Provincial Advisory Council of Women. They've, they've done a lot of work, and they actually have provided some reports to my office, um, as well as they've made them public, so they are available on public record. So we know there are many stakeholders who want to engage in the consultation um, and, and who are eager to get going on it. And it's important to note that employees will be included in this uh, consultation process. Um, and so when the consultation process has been finalized, government will certainly share the necessary information. Yeah, that's great. And I think you're right. Like a lot of people do want to participate in this because it is so important, right? But we also know, so we've been talking a lot about the pay equity piece, right? But this is also meant to uh, legislate pay transparency. It is a key focus of this legislation. So let's talk about that a little bit more when we come back. Please stay with us. You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm joined today by Pam Parson. She's the Minister Responsible for Women and Gender Equality. And, of course, this was a big week with the announcement of the new legislation pertaining to pay equity in our province, but also pay transparency. So we talked a lot in the opening segment about the pay equity side of the legislation, Minister Parson. So I want to focus now on pay transparency. Can you share why this element of the bill was so important to government, and when will this part take effect? Absolutely. Well, pay transparency laws require employers to make pay practices public. And pay transparency legislation is viewed by many as another pathway to actually achieve pay equity, to get closer to pay equity. Uh, The pay transparency provisions in the legislation apply both to the public and the private sectors. And these components will also come into effect at a later date, to be determined by the Lieutenant Governor and Council. The implementation date will also, as other elements, be informed by the consultation process with stakeholders and ultimately including employers and employees. There are only two jurisdictions actually in Canada that, that have pay equity transparency provisions, uh, the Canadian federal government as well as Prince Edward Island. And we look forward to joining that list soon. Um, where our province was previously lacking in pay equity and pay transparency legislation, we will actually soon become a leader, in particular with pay transparency provisions. The pay transparency provisions of the bill were important to, the, to our government to help give additional framework, 
as requirements to support equitable pay practices in the province. So one of the key differences, I think, with the the two pieces of legislation with pay equity and pay transparency is that unlike the pay equity, which for the time being is only going to be applicable to the public sector employers, the pay transparency piece applies to employers in both public and private sector. So why was that so important to include both of them at this time? Yeah, well, our province is committed to obviously ultimately reducing the gender wage gap. Because as we know, and, and Nancy, if we look across Canada, for example, I'll use Quebec and Ontario as examples, there are both um, provinces who have both pay equity legislation in the public and private sector in their provinces. But that gender wage gap is still too too wide, ultimately. So that's the ultimate goal is to reducing the gender wage gap. And pay equity and the pay transparency legislation being introduced is that as a means to address the systemic discrimination in the workplace. Um, so it's good to have multiple tools in, in, in the toolbox. Pay equity is one tool, but pay transparency is another. And there are other levers that other government that government rather um, use to pull to address inequities and to help close the gender wage gap, including both pay equity and pay transparency at the same time, which helps address these issues from multiple angles. Pay equity for the public sector will ensure that employers are valuing jobs in their workplace based on the factors, um, and pay transparency will empower will empower employees to have the knowledge about the expected pay range or salary when applying to jobs. And I mean, I believe that having both pay equity and the pay transparency provisions within the legislation will certainly give it stronger roots to affect change for the people in the province and for those who may wish to have more here, more, more here for work. So let's talk about the pay transparency provisions a little bit more that are outlined in the legislation and what each is really going to mean for not only the employer but the employee. So the first one is that there's a requirement for employers to include information regarding pay in publicly advertised job postings. Yes, yeah, so pay transparency, out, as outlined in our Act, applies to the public and private employers. Um, these employers will be required to not request past employment pay history from employees, um, include pay ranges, scales for all positions in all job postings, and not intimidate, dismiss, or penalize an employee or an applicant from making inquiries or requesting information related to pay. Uh, prepare and submit pay transparency reports to the minister responsible. We believe that the benefits of the pay, of the pay transparency legislation will far outweigh any risk of, of creating a competitive, dis, competitive disadvantage for employers. And employers will still be permitted to publish ranges of pay and not specific salaries. Uh, the provincial government will certainly consult with business, industry leaders, and other key, other key stakeholders prior to any implementation of the pay transparency provisions. But ultimately, pay, pay transparency uh, will... I believe will help get closer, will help employers and us as an industry as a whole get, get closer to pay equity. I agree. I, I guess, Minister, when you're required to publicize pay information, it makes you more cognizant of the information that you're putting out there, right? And wanting to make sure that you're seen as being equitable when it comes to pay, whether that's gender or diversity quality, however you want to look at it. So it, was that the driving factor with that, that publication? Absolutely. And, you know, this is also giving a signal. And, and I think it's, it's sending a signal to employers, um, you know, both in private and public, you know, this is coming. And I will go as, go as far to, you know, say there's many organizations out there that are, that are likely already achieving pay equity in means that they, that they have in their, in their particular workplaces. Um, so this is certainly sending a signal. It uh, 
will certainly, I, I think, will influence the behavior. Because let's face it, no one wants to be um, paying their employees in an unfair wage, in an unfair way, I mean, I would think. So uh, I think this is good, healthy legislation. And again, it's, um, it's, it's certainly a foundation. And the consultation process will be extremely important. And like I say, I, I know stakeholders are, are very eager to begin the process. And, uh, and they want to be involved. And hey, the way I look at it, Nancy, Newfoundland, Labrador, we're a large team. We're all stakeholders in, this pro in, in our province. And we want to put forth the best legislation, the best policy for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, in particular with this particular legislation, for women and gender diverse people and people who have been marginalized and who have been facing those systemic biases for far too long. And I think you're right. There's no one out there who wants to pay their employees unfairly. I think what this legislation does and the transparency piece is just really taking that second look, right, and, and that second thought to really make sure that the pay that you are putting forward is equal, right? And there is no uh, bias or or anything attached to it. So it kind of just makes you think a little bit more before making the moves with regards to, to the pay that you're offering your employees than maybe you would outside of having this legislative lens. The transparency provisions as outlined will also put our province among the leading provinces with prescriptive to pay transparency requirements for the public and private sectors. So we're gonna talk more about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Pam Parsons. Of course, she's the Minister Responsible for Women and Gender Equality in our province. And we've been discussing the provincial government's pay equity and transparency legislation that, of course, was announced this week. And pay equity we know has been a priority for your government, Minister Parsons. And up until now, our province was one of the four without pay equity legislation. And those four provinces have the largest gender wage gaps in the country. So British Columbia and Alberta have the widest pay gap, followed closely by our province and then Saskatchewan. So women in Newfoundland and Labrador are paid 66 cents to men's dollar, according to a recent report from St. John's Status of Women's Council. This gap is considerable. Like, in my opinion, like, that is a much larger gap than I'm sure anyone would want to see. And I think it's probably surprising to people that the gap would be so considerable. But, of course, that's now going to change with the newly announced legislation, first in the public sector, then as um, – as you mentioned, Minister, after consultation, we'll move into the private sector. So there's no doubt that this week certainly marks a step forward to narrowing that pay gap. And I realize that this legislation is currently directed at public employers only, but you have been clear on the announcement, as we said, that for private sector, it is forthcoming. So what would you like to say to women and gender diverse people listening today with regards to the gap and, and the efforts that you're making to close it in the private and public sectors? Well, I hope that women and gender diverse people listening today, um, I hope they see the potential and the positive impact that this legislation and how it will require employers to have equitable pay practices in the province. Um, our government is taking action to address the gender wage gap, as you pointed out, uh, not just through this legislation, but Nancy, it's important that we also take concrete steps, everyday practices that are going to help women and gender diverse people get into the workforce, to go back to school if that's, their, if that's what their plan is, and to get those higher paying jobs, such as the initiatives that we've done as a government in taking action to address 
the gender wage gap, not just through this legislation but other actions, are decreasing the cost of daycare, increasing the minimum wage, as we've just seen um, an increase in the minimum wage, with another scheduled for next October to $15 an hour. Invest, investing in women in technology, in the, te in the technology sector, and I was pleased to attend an event just last year when our Premier and the Minister for Industry and Energy and Technology announced um, just under a million dollars. It was $750,000 for Sandpiper Ventures, and that's supporting women and gender diverse people in tech, in our tech sector here. Um, requiring women's employment plans and gender equity and diversity plans for companies in the resource sector. Encouraging and promoting diversity and inclusivity in, in the municipal government. Um, and also, I'm, I'm also happy to say that this past municipal election, we've seen more women and more gender diverse people in the history of our province come forward to offer themselves for public office at the municipal level. So we know there's a lot more work to do. I believe there will always be ways that we can that we can improve and grow, and we're actively working to adjust gender inequities, particularly in income economic inequalities that exist in the province. But as I've said, it's about getting people around the decision-making table, and we need to reflect. We need to see more women at the table. We need to see, see gender-diverse people at the table, and people of all cultures, and typically people who have experienced. Again, those, those biases, those systemic biases for far too long uh, because ultimately that, that creates a healthier table to make the best decision. Also, the future of the vote, Nancy, I'm happy to say, uh, just today, right now, actually, uh, this week in the House of Assembly, I, I was just visiting with a, a room full of young women and gender-diverse individuals. They're all minors. We're all here now, too. They're, they're actually going to be doing a mock debate in our legislature, um, and they're also taking in policy workshops about women in leadership, and they get to go and they experience the legislature. Uh, we've had a number of MHAs who went down and we had a coffee ses session with them to have conversation and networking, and it's ultimately designed for them to come in and get a feel what it's like to sit in the legislature, what it's like to have a debate, uh, and to learn about the, the process, the legislative process, and I'm very happy to say that my office, uh, we just announced $30,000 to support this initiative through Equal Voice. Um, and its organizations like Equal Voice, in particular Newfoundland Labrador Chapter, are amazing. They go above and beyond to support women, to get women involved in public office and leadership. And this event is happening, and it's, it's very exciting to see these things. So it, as well as healthy, good, robust, progressive legislation, it's very important to have these concrete initiatives, you know, to ultimately get people at the table, women, gender-diverse people, marginalized groups, indigenous people, um, this is this is what we need to do every day, not just uh, on an occasion, but it's something that we have to get into that mindset. That mindset, and ultimately, I believe it's a it's an attitude change. Yeah, I love that, uh, Minister. Like I think getting these young minds, and, and it, there's two benefits in my opinion to that. Well, there's probably more than two, but two that are coming to mind for me right now. And the first is that getting them to see how this legislature works and, and the ins and outs of it, and participating in in some of those discussions. It helps them see when they're hearing things in the news or seeing things in social media, it gives them an understanding of the process, right, that, that it went through to get to what, what it ends up being at the end of the day. But I think the second and, and really important piece, because we know we need more women at the table, is that it, show, it gives them sort of, okay, well, maybe this is something I want to plan for my career. I want to be part of public office. And it gets them thinking about it at a, a young age and, and gets them started down 
that path, right? So I think it's it's absolutely fabulous. You're right. And, and, and it's about giving those opportunities, making those opportunities available so they can get in, they can get their feet wet, they can, they can experience it. Because I'm just thinking back to my high school career, which wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> Mine was longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> but, so it, it makes a world of difference when, when our young women are encouraged and, you know, they're, they're pushed, they're encouraged, they're, you know, to go for these opportunities. I, I remember myself, I mean, it Politics and, and, and news, current affairs, was always a, an interest of my own. Um, but I tell you, I would I would have loved the opportunity back when I was attending high school at Ascension Collegiate in Bay Roberts to you know to come into the legislature and to sit and to, to act as an MHA, you know, and debate to debate and and converse with other colleagues. I mean, it's amazing. And um, again, I, I can't say enough about the Equal Voice organization, how how healthy they are, how supportive they are. And, um, and, it's, and, and it's working in partnership with, with these organizations. So the more that we can do, you know, to encourage people, uh, you know, to get involved in the process, women in particular, like currently there are, there are 40 seats in the House Assembly, Nancy, as you know, 40 seats, and only nine of those are represented by women. So um, we, need, we always need to do more. And, um, but, again, it's, it's, it's inspiring and promising to see initiatives like what's happening with the future of the vote. You know, absolutely. And I think it's also important to point out that the pay transparency legislation announced is going to make our province a leader among the jurisdictions with prescriptive pay transparency requirements for public and private sector. So can you talk a little bit more about this? I guess two-pronged, really, what it means to have this legislation, uh, but more importantly, to lead the charge when it comes to being a province doing this. Well, you're right. Um, We know that uh, pay transparency, for example, is um, in, in PEI, Prince Edward Island, another Atlantic Canadian province, as well as Ontario. It's, to my knowledge, though, I think it's gone through the legislative process in Ontario, but not yet proclaimed by the Doug Ford government. So, yes, we will actually go from, I guess, having no legislation, no policy in place, to being a leader. Um, and, again, it's about setting that signal. It's, a, it's about sending the signal to employers that, hey, you're, this is going to be expected of you. And, for example, I'll just use a, a personal an anecdote, if I will, here. Um, just w- when we were talking about this legislation, I, had a, I received a phone call from a young female who works in the oil and gas sector and said, you know, this is, this is promising. Like, I wonder what my, ca- what my male colleagues who are doing the same job as me or who I may even have more credential, I wonder what they're making. Um, you know, so by shining in the light, and ultimately that's what it's doing, it's shining a light into the darkness to make these these details transparent. And so it just opens the playing field, you know, for fair and for equitable practices. Because as we know, uh, you know, we've, we've taken our seat at the back of the bus for far too long as women and gender diverse people. So I'm really proud of the legislation. Um, again, um, I appreciate, uh, you know, the critics and the opposition and their job, of course, is to hold government to account and to ask questions. Um, because, but that brings, that's a democratic process. And that, makes for the best legislation and policies possible. So I'm proud of it. I'm looking forward to the consultation. And ultimately, you know, we will be a leader in the country when it comes to transparency. And again, I mean, public sector pay equity is coming April 1 for core government. We know that boards and agencies will also be expected to, uh, to do the same in a, in a near future date. Uh, but rest, be assured, pay equity for the private sector is coming. That's great. And I'm sure, you know, in drafting the legislation, there was a lot uh, that 
like a, it was a process, right? And a lot of consideration went into the provisions. But did you guys look at the other provincial or even like the federal legislation? And, and how did the other legislation or did the other legislation, I guess, influence what we introduced here at New Flynn? Yep, absolutely. This legislation was created by an incredible team across multiple departments. And at this time, too, I think it's important that I want to recognize uh, that the, the officials who worked, because it, it's not necessarily the politicians, you know, who, who created this and drafted this legislation. It's the hardworking, talented uh, bureaucracy, ultimately, the, the public servants that, that did this. And let me tell you, when I walked, I'll never forget, when I walked in actually to a first meeting with, um, you know, about with the draft people, those who are drafting the legislation, Nancy, it was a room full of, it was all women. And it was women across the Department of Office and Women, Gender Equality, Legislative Council, um, the Department of Labor, as well as Treasury Board. And let me tell you, there was no shortage of skill or competence in that room. So my, I, I really want to extend a huge thank you because these officials have been working tirelessly, consistently, all summer, um, nights and weekends. And uh, I really want to thank them for the work that they put forth. But um, ultimately, the research and and analysis into other jurisdictions around Canada, including the federal government, and even around the world was conducted to look at what was what can be implemented and what has been implemented and what works in other jurisdictions um, and what hasn't worked ultimately. So our team of public services you know, analyzed legislation across jurisdictions to help tailor legislation that would be impactful to Newfoundland and Labrador ultimately. That's great. And it is a process, but it's so important. And I think, you know, the importance of this is why there was such hard work done on it by these groups, right? Because they, they do see it as important. Everyone sees it as important. And, you know, yeah, I can even say in the private sector here at the firm I'm with, and even with, with some previous employers, gender diversity was a big deal. And it it's, you know, there's leadership programs in place to help not move women forward, but to have women realize their own potential to put themselves forward in some cases, right? I remember participating in, in a leadership meeting, and uh, it was all women, uh, potential women leaders. And this male leader came to talk to us, and he said, you know, if I'm putting out a job posting or, you know, um, a committee that I'm recruiting for, and I'll list the criteria that I'm looking for, I can guarantee you that a lot of the male applicants will say, I've got two of those out of the five I, I'm a shoe in And there'll be a, many women that will say, I only have four of the five I'm not going to apply. So sometimes it's about getting women to realize their own uh, potential and putting themselves forward for some of this stuff, right? But it is a process. And I think we've, we've been talking about um, women in, in leadership roles and board positions and trying to increase this stuff for years and years and years. But I think hearing about this legislation really is a huge step forward because now it, it almost forces the conversation to happen maybe in pockets where it hadn't in the past. Absolutely. And you're right. And I mean, since being appointed as Minister for Women and Gender Equality, um, I've learned and the statistics, statistics that are put before me, you're right, you, you, exactly what you said, a job, you know, a call for a board or even a job application. Men can typically, well, what studies show, men feel confident. They see, they check off a couple of the criteria listed and they, they have the confidence to put themselves forward. But women are more reserved and, and they tend not to, even though they may have four out of five of those criteria they tend not to put themselves forward. So I would think that that's systemic behavior. That's what we've been programmed um, from a very young age, long before I was born and you were born, 
um, that that's how our society has worked, not just here in Newfoundland and Labrador, but across Canada and across the world. And as we know, uh, there are countries that are still very, very extremely restrictive to women, um, even women's safety, who want to pursue public office or even industry, as we know. Um, so again, it's a systemic change, it's attitude, attitude change, and I will say, I mean, even our government alone, my department went from what was called the status of women, and it was lumped in with another, with another department. Uh, but the Premier has made this department a standalone portfolio, and the mandate has been expanded from the status of women to now what is known as women and gender equality. And that expands the mandate um, to, for gender diverse people because, yes, there's one thing, women have faced this bias, a systemic crisis, but what about those people who, who are gay? Or who are who are transgendered, you know, the two S L G B T Q Q I A plus community, and Indigenous women, and women, uh, you know, new Canadians, and with, across all countries, and people who have disabilities. There are many, many intersectionalities, and it's it's very very important that we capture everyone, so no one is left behind, and everybody has that fair opportunity to put themselves forward, to you know, to go after their goals and to achieve and to contribute to the workforce and to society how they want to. Because as we know, um, when, when we're more informed and when we're more supported and when we have equitable opportunities, people can contribute to society how they want to. They'll have more control over those choices that they make. Absolutely. And I think, you know, many will say that it's a very positive step in the right direction. However, not all reaction, uh, as many things that uh, the government rolls out, has been positive. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Your VOCM mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 530 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm pleased to have with me today the Honorable Pam Parson. She's the Minister Responsible for Women and Gender Equality. And we've been discussing the provincial government's pay equity and transparency legislation. And while the legislation is being welcomed by many, I would say most, like all legislation, it has received mixed reviews. So the biggest criticism pertains to the time to introduce and enact this legislation. It was back in 2017 when the House unanimously agreed to start the process to enact pay equity legislation. And the Pay Equity Committee has also been under fire for not meeting for three years. So we know the Premier came under fire over this at the St. John's Status of Women Council's report that came out in August. And NDP MHA Lila Evans said she believes the legislation was a knee-jerk reaction to public scrutiny over the delay. And Helen Conway Ottenheimer, PC opposition women and gender equality critic, calls the legislation a step but doesn't go far enough and needs more consultation. So, Minister, what's your response to this, and can you speak to why it has taken five years to put out this legislation? Um, well, absolutely. And, I mean, while I can't comment on actions or work that ha- happened or that occurred prior to when I became minister, um, but what I can say is when I was appointed to this role just a little over a year ago, um, it's been a priority. Actually, it was one of the very first conversations that I had when I walked in the door, and so I'd like to think, I mean, um, I'm just in this role just, just over, a, over a year, and here we are on the floor of the House of Assembly presenting legislation to be debated and ultimately passed. And I will say I, I appreciate the comments and, and, you know, the criticism because that's the job of the official opposition as well as certainly um, community stakeholders. 
But what I will say, um, in the House of Assembly, you know, we went through, uh, it was a good debate back and forth for more than two days. I think it was about two days that we, we, we debated it. And I would like to thank the members um, and the House, the members of the House of Assembly who voted in favor of this, of course, our caucus, the Liberal caucus. And I will, would like to thank the official opposition, the PC caucus, who all stood and supported this legislation. Um, unfortunately, the, it wasn't supported by the NDP. The, ND, the three NDP members did not vote to advance pay equity legislation. So, um, unfortunately, I mean, I, I find that disheartening. I can appreciate and understand, you know, the criticisms um, and the questions put forward about the legislation because that's healthy. But to not support and not vote in favor of, of advancing pay equity, I'll, I'm, I'm very disheartened on that. But that said, what's more importantly, is the majority of the members of the House of Assembly voted in favor to advance this so we can begin the consultations, we can get the next steps. This is a framework. This is more that's been done in the history of Newfoundland and Labrador. This conversation, Nancy, has been going on since the 80s, um, prior to the time I was born, actually. Um, and, and, and we know that this conversation has been talked about by different administrations of both stripes, both liberal and PC, but it's this government that's, that has brought in and enshrined in law pay equity legislation to begin with public sector and then boards and agencies in the public sector to follow, as well as pay transparency in both public and private sector. So this is a start, and I appreciate that. And again, when we start our consultation process, that's what's going to bring about the next steps. It's going to be robust. Um, it's the, the appropriate stakeholders are going to have opportunity to weigh in, to have their input. Um, it's going to be very inclusive in that regard, and it is a start. And I look forward, and I mean, again, I was put here in this role, I guess, just over a year ago, and I know it's a conversation that the Premier <laughs> would probably call me on regularly for updates on, on the progress, and I'm happy to say that here we are now, and we actually have official legislation in place. But it's the beginning, it's the first step, and um, that's at the, very much at the forefront of all of our minds. And again, it's this, there are three ministers working on this file, not just myself, of course, but Minister Siobhan Cody, who's also the Deputy Premier, um, his, is on this file, as well as Minister uh, Bernard Davis, who is Minister for Environment and Climate Change and responsible for Labor Division. So we've got three departments of officials. It's a whole-of-government approach, and it's the very beginning. But again, I really want to recognize and thank the members who supported this um, and thank everybody for weighing in on this. And I look forward, you know, let's roll up our sleeves. There's work to be done. This is a first step. It's a good first step. And I look forward to providing updates now as this process unfolds to advance pay equity and ultimately get pay equity in the private sector. Yeah, for sure. And I think the fact, I mean, you mentioned in the last segment that the Premier, it was important to have this separate department, right, for women and, and gender equality. And the fact that there's three uh, departments in government and, and, like I said, including the Deputy uh, Premier involved in this shows the importance that government is putting on it. And I think you know, sometimes we want everything all at once, but we need to start somewhere, right? So to your point, it's a first step. We're now going to go through some consultations, and it will be better and, and become improved and more uh, as we move forward. But it was important, I think, to get something um, done to, to get us moving in the right direction. So there's also been concerns, of course, expressed over what some are saying is a lack of consultation. 
Uh, Mr. Parsons, you've commented Monday this legislation will be a tool as we move forward. So yourself, Deputy Premier Siobhan Cody, and Labour Minister Bernard Davis, as we said, say that government does plan to use the legislation as a framework to consult private sector stakeholders about implementing private sector pay equity legislation. So can you provide an update on this? Can you share maybe what these consultations will look like and, and the process that these consultations will take? Yes, uh, well, we recognize that there are many stakeholders uh, within the public and private sector who will be able to share their, their valuable input during the consultation, and we welcome, and we need them, frankly, uh, to work collaboratively with us and you know, together to work on the process. And we understand that there certainly is a need to begin the consultation process in a timely manner, um, and details on a fulsome consultation process will be released in the coming weeks, which, be, which will outline how stakeholders will be engaged and when that consultation process is finalized, our government will share all necessary information. Um, but what I will say, too, I mean, the, the, the stakeholders that we, I meet with regularly, for example, my office deals with directly the St. John's Status of Women, uh, as well as the Provincial Advisory Council uh, of, for Women, and they're very eager to get going on this work, and, and they do this work every day. This is, a, this is an everyday conversation for such organizations, and they want input. I'll also talk about the Board of Trade. Um, they've also put out their information and their studies, um, and they want input, and we need them because they are the experts in our community. Uh, they're valued, valued stakeholders in Newfoundland and Labrador, so we need everybody at the table, the appropriate players here, to bring forth the best legislation for the people of the province, and in, in this regard, of course, women and gender-diverse people. No, absolutely. And you mentioned a bunch of different stakeholders there that will be part of the consultations. Are there any others, like key stakeholders, that you're going to be seeking feedback and input from? Well, the two provincial, the Provincial Advisory Council, St. John's Status Women Council, the Board of Trade, the Employers Council, Newfoundland Labrador Federation of Labor, um, and, and just to start employees, it's very important, obviously, to have employees weigh in on this and to have their part. This is, is extremely. So um, we're going to have the people that we need, the appropriate players at the table to bring forth and to help, you know, put forth the best legislation. And I just look forward to actually win the next tips. <laughs> the type of MHA I am, Nancy, I like to get things done. And, it's, you know, you often hear in the public, and I have prior certainly to my time in government, and even as a journalist in my previous life, you know, how the slow the provincial, uh, you know, the government service can be. So I really like to get things done, and I, I'm more than eager to, to get out there when, when these details are all finalized to begin the next steps to this process. Now, I'm sure people are really happy to hear that. It's, it's nice to hear about, uh, you know, people who are working in our government wanting to, you know, work hard and, and get things done and push things through that are important to Newfoundland and Labradorians. So I, we do need to move to final thoughts, but just before we do, is there any information you can give us on when we can expect to see the private sector pay equity legislation introduced or, or to even come into effect? Well, all I can say um, is as soon as possible. Um, I don't want to <laughs> prejudge or, you know, again, because it's important that this has to be done right. It's, you know, it's, I, there's a quote out there that I've, that I've come across, especially lately. I think consistent, I get, well, consistent movement is better than delayed perfection, right? So it's, I mean, again, and just to, to bring our listeners back, I mean, it's been in the 80s since this conversation started. We know a number of administrations have talked about it. We've talked about the need. We know unions have been very vocal in, in the need for this sort of legislation, these sorts of policies. But again, it's never happened until now, 2022. Um, again, I, I'm very proud to be the minister to introduce this, to work with my colleagues, Deputy Premier, 
as well as the Minister for Labor, and ultimately the Premier. I mean, the Premier is our leader. And this, he has made it on all of our mandates and every minister's mandate letter, we are required to, to go what to go un, undergo rather the GPA plus lens. And what that is, it's the gender based analysis plus. And that means every piece of legislation, whether it be a budget, whether it be policy, program development must undergo the gender based analysis. And that's across government. It was implemented by this premier when he came in, uh, Dr. Fury, Andrew Fury. It's I know he's very passionate about this. And as, as we all are, and that said to the support across government from my colleagues uh, in both cabinet as well as our caucus. And again, I have to give the, um, I will certainly give our, our colleagues in the opposition, the official opposition of the PC party, thanks for supporting this legislation. And again, I, I'm, I'm very eager to get going on this. And I, I have a feeling, Nancy, that we'll be talking again in the near future about the progression of this legislation and the consultation process. That's great, and I look forward to that. I'm happy to have you back as you start moving um, more initiatives forward in this regard, uh, Minister. It's been great having you on the show today, but we do have a few minutes now for some final thoughts. So if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Well, I tell you, I will use this quote, and it's been said by a famous Canadian. I won't, I won't identify the Canadian, but this person said, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you do not take. So my advice, I mean, I, I get up in the morning. This is my own personal mantra. I'm going to push myself today um, outside of my comfort zone, you know, to go even further, to do what I can to reach the most people, uh, you know, to make the most impact, you know, to ultimately, when we all look back, when we're finished the roles that we've played in life, whether it's in government, whether it's industry, whether it's in a school teacher, no matter what the profession, no matter what you're doing, I'd like to think that we've, we're going to leave this place, leave this world a better place than when, what we found it. So I would encourage everyone, you know, follow your dreams, because if you believe it, I'm a, I, I really believe that you can achieve it. And, and to never give up, because, you know, um, some of the greats with all the inventions in, in, in the history of our world, they didn't get it right on the first try, but it's a valuable learning experience. Never lose the lesson and keep pushing forward, you know, let's do it, because we've got a lot to be proud of here in our great province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Our people are our best resources, and I'm confident that when Newfoundlanders and Labradorians put their mind to something, and especially when we collaborate and we work together, there's nothing that we can't do. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about this as women leaders in our own organization and how, you know, we don't want to be handed something that we don't deserve, but we need to encourage women to understand they do deserve it and to put themselves forward. So if you're a woman out there considering a, an opportunity, put yourself forward, right? Don't have any regrets. And, and the worst that can happen is you're not successful this time, but maybe you will be, or maybe you will be next time. So always believe in yourself. Uh, and like I, like I agree with you too, Ms. Minister Parsons, always follow your dreams. So thanks again for joining me today. If people wanted more information on the consultation process or the legislation themselves, where would you direct them to? Well, they're certainly welcome to, re welcome to reach out to my office here. We have my staff here are consistently working on, 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 on these sorts of issues and items such as, uh, you know, pay equity. But not, we don't just stop there. Violence prevention and, again, inclusion of, across the board Certainly welcome to reach out to my office at any time. We have staff here that are working hard and happy to help and, and take calls. But by all means, you know, certainly do that and reach out across government anywhere because, again, we're all here to do the best job that we can, can do for the people of the province. 
Well, thanks again for, for taking the time today. And for our listeners out there, if you have a comment or question or even a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, please email me at yourmoney at bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment for Your Money, send an email to yourmoney at bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees on VOCM. The proceeding was a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network.